Welcome back, dear listeners, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod, coming at you from beautiful Phuket, Thailand, and joining me in rainy, miserable Melbourne is Liam Webster McAllister. Liam, it's a pleasure to have you back on. Hopefully, it's not too rainy, it's not too miserable, and it's not too uh, not too cold for you. Well, for those of uh, the viewers or the listeners, I should say, who may know a little bit about me, know that I do actually enjoy winter. So I'm not finding it too miserable, um, although it is quite dark and it is not raining, but it is quite dreary outside. But um, we persist, we move on. And it's good to be back on the podcast after quite a hiatus on my part. You still remain the only person who I know who prefers winter to literally every other season. Uh, dear listener, in case you don't know, the way the podcast is structured is that we've got the review section, the discussion section, and then the preview section. Let's get straight into the review section. Round 16 certainly had a lot of interesting perspectives. Liam, I'm curious, what were your top two highlights out of what it was a massive weekend of football? Well, it's obvious to go for some you know, great results for some clubs out there, you know, pick out maybe a big win for St Kilda or, you know, a shock win for Essendon. But I'm going to try and be a little bit more outside the box, perhaps, and pick two things that people may have noticed but wouldn't think is the most groundbreaking things that happened on the weekend. So the first thing for me would be, I mean, obviously there was a crushing win for Geelong, but more surprisingly, there was a goal inside 13 seconds in that game it went straight out of the guts and then Dangerfield smashed it from a, a, a good 60 metres to go straight through. So that's my first highlight. I think it was the eighth, if I remember this properly and I could remember this incorrectly, but I'm pretty sure it's the eighth quickest goal since the turn of the century. I think I remember that stat properly. But aside from it just being as quick as it was, it was also a great goal by Dangerfield. Just picked it up out of the centre. Took a, took a run and then just slammed it from a good 60 metres out. Obviously, it bounced through, but let's not get into the details of that. And then um, the other one has to be Giorgiardi's brilliant hanger against Frio, I believe it was, which I think kind of went under the radar. Not many people mentioned it, but I reckon that that could be a potential mark of the year contender. Mate, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, for me, top two highlights, I like that you thought outside the box because it means that I get to think inside the box. Um, for me, being an Essendon supporter, it's been a miserable, miserable, miserable season for the Bombers. And so to have finally something to smile about, something to be happy with, something that you can you know, carry forward for the rest of the year, what an unbelievable upset. The fact that we were down by 26 points early in the second quarter, I actually sent you a message at that point and saying the Swans are on a track for a 100-point win. Because seriously, I seriously thought they were. And the fact that the Swans then got out to a 16-point lead in the last quarter, the fact that we were able to peg that back, I think we kicked like five out of the last six goals of the game. Um, brilliant resilience for a club that has had a lot of issues this season um and for me i always say this whenever you win by over 100 points you deserve to be mentioned in the positives and for me geelong just unbelievable domination been a pretty good week for geelong except for tom stewart getting rubbed out for four weeks 
to have a nice kind of percentage build. And then to have one of your main rivals in Carlton completely choke away a game against St Kilda to have another top four challenger in Sydney stumble against a bottom four team. It's been a pretty good weekend for Geelong, but unfortunately for every positive, there's a negative. And when there's a game decided by over 100 points, yes, true, there's a winner, but there is also very much a loser. The biggest loss of the season so far, you know, it's interesting, right? North Melbourne has now lost twice by over 100 points this season. In both games, they conceded the opening goal within like 30 seconds. That gives you an indication of, of how poor they have been during that stretch 13 losses in a row now their best result a 47 point margin now there's mountains of pressure on uh on david noble and i really feel for him because you know i would not want to be in his position um it's a terrible 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 situation the club is in just to compare right just to compare the carlton football club in 2018 right 2018, they were awful. They finished worst season in club's history, 2-20. and 20, And Brendan Bolton was still somehow kept on, but that's besides the point. Up until the midway point of the season, let's go to the end of round 16, 2018. The Blues sat with a percentage of 62.2%, which was abysmal. The Kangaroos, meanwhile... They have a percentage of 49.5, 49.5. I reckon I could get a better percentage than that. Just me gathering up some of me mates. Honestly, AFL, if you're listening to this, replace the kangaroos with us. I mean, hey, I'll happily get paid a couple of hundred grand a year to run around and look like an idiot on a football field. So if you can set it up, Casper, go ahead. Absolutely. What, a couple broken bones? Be worth it. Now, for me, the other low light, it's got to be goal kicking. Like, sure, okay, St Kilda, I'm not, not taking anything away from St Kilda or Essendon, but really the Blues and the Swans should have won and should have won comfortably. The Swans started off kicking the first five goals straight and they ended up in the middle two quarters like kicking two goals 14. Like that is abysmal goal kicking, Right. When you make my sexuality look straight by comparison, you know you are screwing up in front of goals. And it's an exceptionally disappointing, disappointing effort. In, and it's disappointing from, from the viewpoint of a, of a viewer because you want high scores. And so, yeah, I think St Kilda and Sydney, they owe their fans an apology for that shambolic goal-kicking effort. Honestly, it was like they had cloned a bunch of Matthew Richardson's and put them all in Swans jumpers and St Kilda jumpers. Seriously, all you got to do, just pick up some grass, do a Matty Lloyd, pick up some grass, toss it in the air. There's a reason why I kicked 926 goals. Anyways, what were your lowlights, Liam? Well, I mean, you mentioned just then the goal kicking, and I mean, that wasn't one of my lowlights, but I think it's important to highlight that beyond just St Kilda and Sydney, there was definitely a few other teams who had their own goal kicking issues over the weekend. Carlton that kicked... An absolute exorbitant amount of behinds in their game. Collingwood and Gold Coast both were basically asking each other to win the game. Yep. So you're definitely not wrong in saying that it was a pretty inaccurate weekend, to say the least. West Coast um, had the same number of scoring shots as Richmond and yet lost yeah. by 35 points. So, yeah, de definitely some disappointing goal kicking across the league. But um, 
obviously, as you said, it has to be North Melbourne. I think, you know, 11 straight losses by virtually eight goals or more is definitely cause for concern. Um, and yeah, like you said, you've got to feel for David Noble because there's no doubt that potentially, yes, he is a part of the problem, but I think the problems of North Melbourne, which we'll get into a bit later, are a lot deeper than just him. Um, and then I think the other low light, it's a bit of a shared low light, which we've already kind of gone over, but both Carlton and Sydney losing games that they, first of all, should have won, but were important games for them to, you know, maintain a stronghold on their top eight hopes, because especially Sydney now have slipped into a position where they're only in the eight on percentage. So uh, both of them, I think, this is my second low light, losing important and winnable games. Mate, I like it. I like it a lot. Now let's get into the major talking points and let's stick with the uh, with the North Melbourne Kangaroos. Um, oh, before we get on to that, do you have, off the top of your head, do you have a player that surprised you the most from the weekend? Um, I wouldn't have a player, but I think just in terms of the biggest surprise I had this weekend, it has to be Essendon. I mean, I saw your messages coming through. I was just like, Oh, well, there's no surprises there. Another devastating loss for Essendon, rubbing my hands together. And then next thing you know, I come back a few hours later and they've got a result. So um, I'll give my biggest surprise to just the whole Essendon squad as a whole. Great effort. For me, I think it's got to be St Kilda. Yeah, sure, Essendon beat a top eight contender when they're bottom four. But for the Saints to reverse their fortunes over the last few weeks, because Essendon's had a pretty good three weeks um, St Kilda's had a pretty terrible three weeks and to play against a team who last week belted another top four contender in Fremantle and to do as well as St Kilda did, um, yeah, it's a major credit to them. Um, now, let's get into the major talking points. Let's start off with the North Melbourne Kangaroos. Liam, in your opinion, what is wrong with North Melbourne and will getting a new head coach fix everything? You already kind of hinted at your answer, but what do you reckon? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of them things with North Melbourne where you can't point to a singular issue. Um, their club is riddled with a number of problems, I think. And I think if you want to solve that, you probably need to clear out more than just your coach. Um, I don't think that Noble will probably last much longer in the role. Uh, from what I've read, it seems like at best he might have the rest of the year and then he'd be moved on. But obviously, with each week that goes by, it's becoming quickly less likely that that will even become the case. But I think that uh, with North Melbourne, I think it's good that obviously the, the president's outgoing. I think that's the first thing, which is probably a positive. Um, and then I think they need a bit of a squad refresher. You're giving me a bit of a concerned look here. At least I had the understanding that the president was outgoing. Um, but if he isn't, that would probably be a good start. Um, that's what I read at least. Um, but yeah, I think coach, president and the squad in general, I think, you know, three major layers of the club all need a bit of a reset because as much as the results are an issue, it, it seems that the culture of the club is also probably um, in tatters. So I think Noble's not the only issue there, but he's probably a part of it. That would be my... I guess, uh, analysis of the problems at North Melbourne. I agree with everything that you said. Um, I know the review is going on at the moment. It'll be interesting to see what the review findings are. It's just, it's, it's such a bemusing problem and it's a really difficult problem that they find themselves in. Because I think if you look at their players list, right, you've got four or five players 
who you can keep, who are good players, and then a couple of other players who you might keep just to see because they haven't had a lot of time to to show what they have either because they're a first year player or they've been injured a lot. Just you know, keep them on board just to see what they what they offer the club. But the rest of it, it's just it's a terrible list. It is a shocking list. I reckon Alistair Clarkson, Kevin Sheedy, Dennis Pagan, some of the best coaches of the last 30 to 40 years would struggle to win more than four games a year with the list that North Melbourne currently have. It has been a shambolic list build by the um by the uh, by, the North Melbourne Football Club, and whoever is in charge of that, they should be the ones getting fired, not David Noble. And for crying out loud, he's working with he's working with he's working with sticks and stones up against you know other clubs using using you know machine guns and tanks and all that. It's 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 exceptionally disappointing to see where the North Melbourne Football Club find themselves in. Because it wasn't that long ago that they were contesting two consecutive prelim finals and they won the first nine games in 2016. And everyone thought, well, hey, could be, you know, every 20 years or so they win a couple of premierships, this could be it. You know, and six years later, they find themselves in the quagmire only sinking deeper. So for me, I think if they fired David Noble, they have to fire other people. It can't just be getting rid of David Noble. Because that would almost be like, it would it it'd be like just getting rid of. It's not even. I don't even want to say that David Noble is a symptom of the problem or or a cause of the problem because it's really not. I mean, I would be disappointed if North Melbourne move on from him. He's only been there for a couple of years. I mean, if Carlton can keep Brendan Bolton after the shambolic twenty eighteen season, if Melbourne kept Mark Neild after the awful twenty twelve season then surely, surely North Melbourne can hold on to David Noble. If they do, however, he will be under a mountain of pressure in 2023. Could be the most under-pressure coach in the competition. Um, and this is the thing that North Melbourne has to, has to ask, right? If David Noble is fired, then who wants to take the job? Who, who would take the job? It would be an awful place to work for at the moment. And I feel really, 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 really sorry for whoever whoever's coaching them in 2023. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's let go of because, you know, 13 losses in a row, best result is an eight-goal loss, is not acceptable, but it's not his fault. So now next talking point, the AFLW fixture season seven is out. Four new teams <laughs> joining Excuse me, I'm so excited. I'm starting to cough. Four new teams joining in 2022 season B. The Bombers and the Hawks, the Swans of Power, the Swans host St. Kilda in their first game. Port Adelaide traveled to Perth to play the Eagles and the Bombers and the Hawks play each other. Now, that clash is currently scheduled at ETU Stadium in Port Melbourne. The clubs want it moved to Marvel Stadium. Uh, I think it was Beck Goddard, the coach of the Hawks, who pointed out the fact that there's no events going on at Marvel Stadium around that time, so it's available. I want to ask you, Liam, should Essendon and Hawthorne be played at Marvel Stadium, considering as well there's no games currently scheduled at Marvel Stadium for Season 7 of the AFLW, should more games be played at Marvel Stadium instead of suburban grounds here in Victoria? 
Yeah, I think it's a good, you know, question to ask. I think. Um, Thank you. I came up with it myself. <laughs> I think with um, COVID obviously taking the world by storm over the last couple of years, um, it's been good to see a, a bit of a revival of suburban football, both AFL women's and men's. Um, but I don't see a reason why we can't have more AFL women's games at Marvel Stadium. I think in the case of this game, I can partially understand perhaps simply because it's two new clubs. We don't know how much of a crowd we could expect for this game. But I don't see a reason why perhaps from some of the more established teams who have got, you know, strong supporter bases, why we couldn't see those games played at Marvel Stadium. But I definitely don't think we should lose the suburban factor. I think it's a good thing that we've got more football being played around the country in different suburbs and states and cities. But um, I think perhaps this game, I can understand the viewpoint to not play it there. Um, but I definitely think there's an argument to be made for more AFL women's games being played at Marvel personally. But um, yeah, how about you? Muted myself. You would think after using Zoom for like three years, I would know how to use it. That's besides the point. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, right. I think I, I can understand the appeal of having games at, you know, Victoria Park, at Punt Road, at, at, at Prince's Park or Icon Park, as it's now called. I can understand the appeal of that. But I mean, for these big, big, big games, right, why not have it at Marvel Stadium and get a chance to draw a big crowd? You know, Carlton Collingwood, that's in round one, two. Why not play it at Marvel Stadium? Essendon versus Hawthorne, the Dreamtime game, Essendon versus Richmond, why not have it there? And I can understand, you know, the AFLW, they're also going um, to regional Victoria. There's a game in Mildura. There's game, games in Ballarat, game in Warrnambool as well. I can understand taking it to regional Victoria, but suburban grounds you know maybe if it's a game between smaller victorian clubs or a big club and a smaller club that makes sense but for these big clashes like the afl wouldn't put a, a, a an afl men's game between geelong and richmond in geelong so why would they put an afl women's game in geelong why not why not have that played at marvel stadium with mcg i don't know for me i think at least Essendon and Hawthorne should be played at Marvel Stadium, if not more games. But I'm just so excited for AFL women's football to come back. And I'm so excited that finally I have a horse in this race. So I should say two horses with the Bombers and the Swans joining. I'm so, so, so excited for that, especially after Essendon's AFL, uh, sorry, VFLW undefeated season and undefeated champions of this year in the VFLW. Not too bad considering that four years ago we joined the competition and we were dead last on the ladder. Um, now, back to the men's. Uh, there's a team that is on, what, six-game winning streak? They've taken down everyone. They've taken down teams that they probably shouldn't have beaten. They've taken down teams that they should have beaten. They've demolished teams. They've won close games. They have done everything. And now Nick Rewalt has come out and said, Collingwood can win the premiership. Well, the cat's out of the bag now, isn't it, Liam? I want to ask you this opinion. As a Collingwood supporter, try to not be biased. What do you think is the ceiling for Collingwood in 2022? Oh, well, I mean, I've been having these discussions almost daily with different people, Carlton supporters, fellow Collingwood supporters. Um, and my most recent discussion with someone today, actually, um, was about what would we be happy with ultimately from this season and obviously coming into the year I don't think many Collingwood fans thought that finals was a realistic ambition now I think if we were to not make the finals we'd be pretty disappointed 
Um, that being said, I, I think the ceiling for Collingwood, I don't know. I, I'd probably say perhaps at an absolute stretch, a prelim if things went absolutely perfectly. That being said, I don't think that is where we'll get to. I think more likely an elimination final um, is probably the sort of stage I think we'll get to. Maybe we'll win one final game. But I think the one thing I would say about Collingwood, hopefully if they do make it to September, is that I think they could cause some chaos in there. It might be that they only make it through the first round or whatever, but I think that they could surprise a few people with um, knocking off a team that maybe was expected to do more than they will. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Rewalt's estimation of us winning the flag is going to be the case. I'd love to be proven wrong, obviously, but um, yeah, I don't think we're quite there yet. But for a team that's technically in a first year rebuild to be in the position we're in, I think um, ultimately most Collingwood fans are very happy with how we've gone, even if some games haven't been as convincing as we would have liked. Oh my God. I'm not as convincing as you would have liked. Goodness gracious me, is a six game winning streak not enough? Man, I wish Essendon would win games not convincingly. Anyways, um, I'm looking at the Collingwood fixture, right? They play North Melbourne this week. They're going to crush North Melbourne. They play Adelaide in Adelaide. It could be a sneaky game. Could be a sneaky good game, but Collingwood should win that. Uh, they'll lose to Essendon in round 19. And then they play Port Adelaide at the MCG in round 20. If I'm correct and they win three out of the next four games, that takes them to 13 wins, which should be enough for finals football. However, with how congested this top eight is going to be, it's entirely possible that a top eight team is going to, sorry, the team's going to finish with 13 wins and miss. After those four games, their final three are brutal. They play Melbourne again. Melbourne now look to have rediscovered a bit of form. They play the Swans in Sydney. Who knows? That could be a game to decide eighth spot. And if Collingwood are going to challenge for a top four, it could come down to round 23, Collingwood versus Carlton. How good is that? I hope they put that on the Friday night. Big 90,000 people. (sighs) Looking at their percentage, they currently sit on 106.1%. That is by far and away, the weakest percentage inside the top eight. The next weakest percentage inside the top eight is Carlton at one, uh, 112.1. Now, Collingwood should build up a bit of percentage this weekend. No offense, North Melbourne supporters, but, you know, they are playing North Melbourne. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that big, that big percentage difference, I think the ceiling for me, they'll make a semifinal. That's, that's the ceiling, right? I think... The floor, if they really crash out, they'll finish like 10th or 11th. Um, but yeah, for me, it's anywhere from like finishing semifinalists to finishing 10th or 11th come the end of the year. But either way, it's been a phenomenal year and I wouldn't be surprised if they're a top four team come 2023, no matter how disappointing that would be. Now, uh, Collingwood had a great win on the weekend. Two clubs had the opposite of that. Uh, two shocking losses in Carlton and the Sydney Swans. Liam, which loss was more costly? Uh, well, I mean, costly and probably more disappointing. It has to be Sydney, ultimately. I think Carlton, no, you know, no doubt, obviously puts their top four 
hopes, um, you know, in a bit of jeopardy. But I think if we're looking at the grand scheme of things, Sydney's loss puts their finals hopes in jeopardy. Um, so it has to be Sydney for me. Also, the fact that they really should have been beating Essendon. Okay, Essendon have looked a little bit better of recent times. But I think St Kilda versus Carlton was a bit of a more close game, a bit harder to call ultimately. Um, so I think that Sydney's loss, like I said earlier, means that they're now only in the eight on percentage which can change, obviously, over the course of a couple of weeks really quickly. So I think Sydney's loss is um, the more devastating of the two. But that being said, obviously, Carlton supporters are still pretty gutted with their result too. I'm going to make the argument that it's Carlton. I'm just saying that because I'm looking at their draw and it is tough. It is really, really tough. They play the Eagles. All of a sudden, the Eagles in Perth, not the cakewalk that it was earlier in the year. They then play Geelong at the MCG in round 18. What a game of football that's going to be. Saturday night football at the MCG. Could decide fourth spot come the end of the year. Now, they are getting Geelong without Tom Stewart, which would be a big help for the Blues, especially considering that one-two punch of Mackay and um, and Kerno. But nevertheless, they then play the Giants at Marvel Stadium. Mark McVeigh has GWS playing good footy. They then play the Crows in South Australia. Adelaide at home is so much harder to play than Adelaide away. They then finish it off with Brisbane in Brisbane, Melbourne at the MCG, and then Collingwood at the MCG. That is exceptionally tough. And now you have an issue where Carlton earlier in the year, they weren't winning by a lot. They were only just getting by, blowing big leads against Hawthorne, against Port Adelaide, against Sydney, only just winning. And now I think it's going to come back and bite them on the backside because they have a difficult, difficult, difficult run home. The Swans, it's a little bit easier. They play the Kangaroos. They play, sorry, they play the um, the Dogs and the Dockers in the next two weeks. That's going to be tough. But then they play a stretch of three games that they should win. Kangaroos, the Crows, and then the Giants. The problem for Sydney is that they have lost a lot of games in the last two years that they should have won. The good news is that they've also won a lot of games they should have lost, which means that if that form holds, they can probably pinch a couple of upsets. But it's going to be really, really, really tricky for the Swans to get anywhere higher than a top six finish. So, look, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I get what you're saying. Carlton are still a top four contender, whereas Sydney's loss probably put them out of reach of the top four. But, yeah, no, I think I think for me it's definitely Carlton because their fixture is, is ridiculously difficult. Um, now, let's get on to what should be a fascinating, fascinating round 17, and it starts off with a grudge match. Melbourne with Gorn and Jackson, they should be back. Geelong gets Selwood back. But now I think this is where Tom Stewart is going to really be missed. That general down back with Melbourne's forward line and how dominant Melbourne's midfield is going to be. Geelong's midfield is going to have to be on top of Melbourne, totally and utterly dominating everything in the midfield if the Cats are a hope of winning. Now, normally Geelong only lose one game on average per year in Geelong, if at all. And they've already lost to Fremantle. So logic dictates that they'll probably beat Melbourne. But I genuinely think that the Cats are going to struggle to contain the forwards of Geelong, especially if 
if Jackson and Gorn are back in, if one of those guys are in, I still think the Cats are going to uh, are going to struggle a bit. I'm tipping the Ds in a thriller by five points. Let's make it after the siren. Why not? Max Gorn after the siren in the goal square. We'll make it a we'll make it a repeat, not just a rematch, but a repeat. How about you, Liam? Who wins this one? I mean, I would love to see Melbourne pull off a you know miraculous. Well, not miraculous. They're a very good team, obviously, but. Um, an inspirational win, shall we say, down in Geelong. But I think, you know, watching uh, Geelong over the last, well, seven straight wins that they've picked up look like an absolute force. And um, as you've so brilliantly called them over the last couple of seasons, the daddy squad look like they're maturing as the season gets older. So um, I think that Geelong are looking extremely strong as we approach September. And I think Melbourne, yes, granted, they've picked up a couple of wins and they're looking like they're finding their, their feet again. Um, and obviously they're still, you know, <laughs> going to be a top four team. But I think that um, in Geelong, with the form that they're in, I, I think it's going to be a bit difficult for Melbourne to get the result. Gorn will obviously be a factor that could change the, the whole scope of this game. But I still think with all the, the factors that um, Geelong have going for them, it's going to be enough for them to get over the line by 22 points. So I'm going with the D's, Liam going with the daddies, and we go on to Friday Night Football, the Swans and the Bulldogs in the rematch of the 2016 Grand Final, that game where Eastern Wood completely ruined Dan Hanabry's career and Dale Morris laid the greatest tackle I have ever seen in my entire life. Now, this is very interesting. The dogs, they're holding on. They're at the precipice of being eliminated from the finals race. And the Swans, they're holding on to a spot in the top eight with teams just sitting outside now breathing down their neck. It is a crucial game for both teams. Liam, I have a feeling I know who you're going to pick. Who are you going to pick? Well, I'm actually not going to pick what my heart would want um, I would, I would, I would love to say I'm going for uh, the Bulldogs to keep their finals hopes in with a, a chance, but I think in Sydney, um, you know, Sydney are going to be out for redemption after last weekend. I think they're going to be too strong. Um, the Bulldogs, obviously, the, there's some, you know, there's some issues at the club. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and I know that uh, Dougal Howard's going to be out for another couple of weeks, so there's Dougal injury Howard. concerns. Oh, I got my, I got, got my names mixed up. Sorry, but um, <laughs> there's some few there's a few injuries um at the Bulldogs, I think, and with everything going against them, I, I just think that um yeah, it's gonna be the Swans by 26 points. Ooh, comfortable, comfortable. I like. Well, I mean, I hope you're right. Um, look, I think Bailey Smith being out has been a major, major, major drawback for the Dogs. Um, he's such a vital cog in their machine. I think for me, right. The Swans have, well, they both have a lot to play for, but I think the Swans at the moment, they have players who are having a better season. And the Swans do really well against teams around them on the ladder or above them on the ladder. And because the dogs are around them on the ladder, it's at the SCG. Crucial game for the Swans. I'm tipping Sydney to win a close game by 12 points. I think it's going to be a good game of football. I wouldn't mind them winning by 26 points, so I'll take that. Now, we get on to quite possibly the most boring contest. We don't have to talk about this too much, do we? I mean, Collingwood's going to... It's Collingwood versus North Melbourne Saturday afternoon at the MCG. 
uh, I don't really want to talk about how much Collingwood's going to win by because it's going to be a landslide. Like, take any number, right? Write down numbers 49 to 100 on little pieces of paper, put it into a hat, and then pick one of those out, read it out. That's going to be the margin. And then curse yourself for wasting so much paper and being so bad for the environment. That's going to be whatever. Do that process. That's going to be the margin. Take your pick. Um, yeah, I mean, I, hey, I'd, I'd love to to say that Collingwood are going to get a thumping win, but I think we're going to do North a favour. That being said, I don't think we're going to be too kind. I don't think we're going to, you know, give them a, you know, a great win that they can use to, you know, paper over the cracks of the club. But I think we're going to break their bad drought of 47 point plus thumpings. Because um, if, you know, for those who be have a 46 been watching... point thumping. <laughs> Not even that high. I, I, I think... Watching Collingwood over the last three or four weeks, um, we're not a convincing team. We win, which, which is which is great. But you know, you pointed out earlier our percentage issues, percentage issues, um, and I think that that's going to be the case against North Melbourne. I think we'll win by twenty points, but we're going to walk away from this saying we 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 could have really done with a forty-eight point or better thumping. Interesting. So you're tipping you're tipping Collingwood by forty-five points. Got it. Um, on to Saturday afternoon. Now, this could be this is the hardest game to pick. This was the game that I hovered my mouse over the most. Going, do I tip Gold Coast? Do I tip Richmond? Do I tip Gold Coast? Do I tip Richmond? Do I tip Gold Coast? Do I tip Richmond? I tip Richmond for a couple of reasons. Number one, my dad tipped Gold Coast, and I'm really behind him on the uh, father versus son tipping competition. So I need to tip some things different than him. Number two, the Gold Coast injury list is growing by the day and it's such a shame but they're losing players left right and center if i pull up the list at the moment um uh, uh out acl second time it's done in the space of 16 months um ainsworth could be back but you have a look at all their lists alex davis out joel jeffrey out for the season will powell out for the season king obviously out at the start of the year it's such a shame because they were building something really really great at the gold coast and i really think the last couple of weeks probably took the winds out of their sails a little bit losing a heartbreaker in adelaide and then losing a heartbreaker on the gold coast against the pies um with that being said though nick Lawson out dustin martin out that almost brings the tigers into level pegging with the Suns, the only reason why in the end I went with Richmond is because the Suns have also lost Oleg Markov. He will be out due to COVID safety health and protocols, which is the worst time to lose one of your key defenders when you are coming up against a forward line containing Tom Lynch and Jack Rewalt. I'm still tipping the Tigers to only just win, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers won comfortably, truth be told, considering they're also missing Buderick, Weller, and Powell from their back line. But it should be, I think, a good game of football, all things considered. I do think losing Martin and Vostin almost balances it out a little bit, but the Suns are going to have to require um, uh, Casbolt and, and, um, and Chol to have the best games of their career in order to have any hope of being in Richmond. So I'm tipping the Tigers by about 15 points. Yeah, I mean, 
what watching Gold Coast last week against Collingwood, I don't, I don't think either team were all were probably worthy of the win. I think both were really poor, and um, I think I'm a, I'm a little bit less optimistic in Gold Coast's hopes. To be honest, I think we've got to that point in the season where Gold Coast typically have their tail off as the finals approaches. I don't, I don't, I disagree. I disagree. The Suns normally win good for the first six weeks and then they're terrible for the rest <laughs> of it. This is the, this is the furthest they have gotten in a year. Yeah, that is true. Being competitive. Yeah, they, they have. I'm probably being a little on, on the harsh side there, but it does look like perhaps they are beginning to tail off a bit. And I think Richmond are on the opposite end of things. I think they are building some good form towards September. Granted, they have had a couple of losses in their recent games, but if you look at those losses, they're being by a goal or less against two other top eight, like, you know, two other top eight teams. So I, I don't think you'd begrudge Richmond for losing those two games. Um, you know, Geelong are probably the most informed team in the competition and they took them right to the wire. So I think Richmond are going to be, I think they're going to have quite the day out, actually. I think they're going to beat the Gold Coast by 43 points. Interesting, interesting, interesting. On to now this game, St Kilda hosting Fremantle. Both teams had badly needed wins in round 16. The Saints looked impressive doing it. The Dockers looked anything but impressive doing it. Uh, Liam, who's going to win this one? The Saints beat them in Perth early in the year. Can the Dockers get their revenge in Melbourne? I'm not going to lie. This is maybe a bit of a bombshell I'm dropping here, but I'm not the biggest believer in what Fremantle are doing this year. Obviously, they're in a good position on the ladder, but when I watch them, they don't convince me brilliantly on a consistent basis. They've had some good wins, don't get me wrong. They've beaten Melbourne and the sort, but They've also taken some pretty devastating losses against teams similar to St Kilda. You know, both Collingwood and Carlton beat them comfortably. And Carlton, at, sorry, and Gold Coast. Yeah, and Gold Coast. You know, um, and they got beat comfortably the last time they played at Marvel against Carlton. So I, I think that Fremantle, on their own patch, can tend to do good work, and they'll probably be enough for them to finish in a good position on the ladder. But St Kilda, you know riding the high of a good win against Carlton. It's down here in Melbourne. I think that um, I think St Kilda are going to get the result by 16 points. How about you? It would be a monumental result if the Saints were to win. Um, I'm tipping Fremantle. I don't trust St Kilda. Like, they've been in a tailspin for the last three weeks. And, yeah, sure, they had a great win. But let's not forget, Carlton kicked 10 goals, 18, and only lost by, like, 15 points. Like, taking nothing away from St Kilda. But if the Blues kicked 18, 10 then the Saints would have lost their fourth in a row. I think Fremantle learned a lot from that loss against Carlton, and I cannot see St Kilda putting in a an offensive performance and a defensive performance like what the Blues did against Fremantle to the point where they'll get the win. I'm tipping Fremantle to bounce back. They know how big of a game this is. They know how crucial the top four spot is, and I don't trust St Kilda. Plus, St Kilda had a brutal brutal win it like it was a great win but it came at a cost that last quarter was horrific with the amount of injuries that they had Dougal Howard was sore throughout the night and that awful head clash between I think it was Hunter and Zach Jones I don't know if you saw it but Hunter had like a well water it was like Victoria Falls of blood coming from his face it was absolutely horrific and obviously my thoughts go out to those players but big injuries they had a good win against the flow, but I'm tipping Fremantle to bounce back and get a win on the road um, and prove themselves a genuine top four chance. 
Now, this game is interesting. Whoever loses the next game, you dare say, is out of finals action for good Port Adelaide versus GWS in Adelaide. The Power have had a wonderful season since going 0-5. They've, they lost to Fremantle. They did trail by 40 points at one stage, which wasn't good, but they nearly came back and won. If it wasn't for a couple of missed shots late, we would be talking about one of the greatest comebacks in Port Adelaide history. The Giants, they're playing really good football against you know teams around them on the ladder and teams above them on the ladder. Mark McVeigh has them playing really attacking football and really strong defensive footy too. But I just think Port Adelaide's got too much firepower at home. The power's going to win. I'm tipping them by about four goals. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think if you, if you look at the recent results for, for Port, they're generally winning the games they should be. Um, they're not really losing against teams that you'd say, um, you know, it was a surprise result. And I think, you know, like you said, McVeigh has got the Giants playing some good football, but they are still a bit hot and cold, which is, you know, to be like, you know, we can't be too harsh. He is, you know, what only been managing them, you know, or coaching them now for, you know, a handful of weeks still. So he's still trying to find his bearings and figure probably exactly how he wants their style of play to be. Um, so I think that, yeah, Port Adelaide over there are going to be relatively comfortable winners by 31 points. On to Sunday. Now, this game three weeks ago, four weeks ago, was looking like Brisbane by how much? But Brisbane have had a couple of big losses recently, a couple of injuries, and the Bombers have all of a sudden rediscovered some form out of nowhere. Gee, thanks for taking until round 14 to do that, by the way. But nevertheless, this game all of a sudden is potentially intriguing. Liam... Can the Bombers, for the third time in four weeks, beat a top eight team? No. <laughs> uh, See, I thanks mean, for the vote of confidence. Yes. Sorry to be the party pooper here, but um, I think, yeah, like I, I think Brisbane at the Gabba are, are a whole different beast, especially against um, Essendon in this case. Hipwood's obviously avoided, um, you know, being suspended. He has been given that fine, obviously, but I think. Which, okay, I mean, sorry, 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 sorry. What do you think of that? I mean, whether or not he intended to do what he did is hard to be sure. Although, that being said, based on the direction that the, that the player was going before or as Hipwood initiated contact, I don't think he was intending it personally um, because the player did kind of divert into the path of the umpire almost already after Hipwood had gone to initiate contact. So personally, I don't think it was too bad a decision to let him off with just a fine. But at the same time, some people will think that it was a deliberate act and that, you know, he should have been given at least a week or two. But um, I think having him in the team um, at the Gabba against, albeit an, an improving Essendon, I, I just think that the Lions are going to just be extremely close. I'm going to say uh, Brisbane by 47 points. Ouch. Okay, so apparently, according to you, Essendon has a good week and then a bad week, and a good week, and then we're due for a bad week. I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Look, right, I'm tipping Brisbane to win. Obviously, at the Gabba, they are borderline impossible to beat. But I will say this, at Marvel Stadium, though, yes, they did win against us comfortably, we did have more scoring shots than they did. So I'm just saying, had we kicked straight, it would have been a monumental upset considering everything that happened afterwards. But I think it's going to be a good game of football to a point. I do think Brisbane... They know that percentage-wise they're really struggling considering, you know, compared to the other teams inside the top four after losing to Melbourne by as much as they did a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, and they they would have been disappointed to let the dogs kick the last two goals of the game on Thursday night. But with that being said, I think Essendon are now at a point where they know they have nothing to nothing to lose at the moment. They're going to go hell to leather. Uh, um, and I think the Bombers, it, they'll push Brisbane. I wouldn't be surprised if Brisbane kick away late in the last quarter. I'm tipping four to five goals. Should be a comfortable win for the Lions. Um, if it's anything less than three goals, I'll take that as a win. Hawthorne versus Adelaide at Marvel Stadium for some reason. Um, this is probably another really tough game to pick. Lots of tough games to pick this week. I'm tipping Adelaide in a bit of an upset because Hawthorne have absolutely hit a wall. Now, Kane Corns has said that Hawthorne has the second worst list in the competition. I normally don't agree with Kane Corns, but he kind of has a point. Aside from CJ and Mitch Lewis, what youngsters do they have that you can look at and you go, yes, they'll be a part of Hawthorne's next premiership? Absolutely no one. And their older players are doing nothing, right? They had a great start to the year. The Crows have rediscovered a bit of form in the last couple of weeks. I think Taylor Walker's going to tear them to shreds. I'm tipping the Crows in a tight one, 19 points. Why not by more? Because it's Adelaide we're talking about. They don't crush teams. No, no, I am with you, though. I think Adelaide will get the result. I think it must be a bit of an Adelaide theme. I think similar to their crosstown rivals, they're also not really losing any games that they shouldn't be. Um, so I think both Port Adelaide and Adelaide themselves are generally winning the games they should be. And based on the situation that Hawthorne are in, Adelaide should be winning this game. Like you said, they're, they're you know, both form and squad-wise aren't in a great situation, Hawthorne. Um, and similar to you, though, I do think it will be close because it is here at Marvel. And like you said, Adelaide aren't the most convincing side when it comes to beating teams. So I'll say Adelaide by eight points. And then we get on to a game that is potentially intriguing. West Coast versus Carlton. Um, surely the Blues win this one. Surely. Yeah, I think it has to be. Um, they've got Weedering back this week among potential, potentially a few other names. Um, Ed Kerner, um, and a, a few others are going to probably be available again. Meanwhile, West Coast are still dealing with... Uh, a number of high-profile injuries. Um, and I think... Don't okay, yes, the recent one. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, yes, Carlton obviously lost to St Kilda, but St Kilda and I think West Coast are two teams at completely differing levels of ability. Um, so I, I think that it'll be a, a relatively um, comfortable win for Carlton, disposing of the Eagles by six goals. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say exactly the same thing because I'm conscious of time and I don't want to don't want to spend too much time on this game. The Blues should win this comfortably. I'm tipping them by about five to six goals too, and I promise I'm not just saying that to copy you, but I'm saying that to copy you. Um, now, which game do you think is gonna be? Which game are you most looking forward to? Which game do you think will be the best game of the round? And which game do you think is going to be the biggest blowout? Um, has to be. The, the game between uh, Melbourne and Geelong has to be the favourite for me. Um, we've got two top four opposition, um, you know, going at it. So I think that that's going to be a great game to watch. Um, meanwhile, for the most disappointing, 
I mean, Hawthorne Adelaide's probably going to be a bit of a dismal ball. I think it will be close. So I'm probably going to go a little bit outside the box and I'm going to say probably West Coast Carlton because I, I think the Carlton will probably get over the line relatively comfortably in that one, to be honest. Um, for me, the biggest blowout, I'm tipping Collingwood to tear North Melbourne a new uh, rectum, I think is going to be a destroyation. The Pies are going to go hammer on the Kangaroos. Um, I think in terms of which game I think is going to be the best or the game I'm most looking forward to, I think I agree with you. Geelong versus Melbourne. Um, looking at the list, potentially Gold Coast versus Richmond or St Kilda versus Fremantle too, but Geelong versus Richmond just in terms of how much is at stake um, and the fact that these two are the best teams in the competition so far this season. Liam, thank you for joining me for this international episode of the Through the Banner podcast. Um, good luck on Saturday, although I'm not going to lie, if North Melbourne win, uh, you can expect a barrage of uh, ha-has and insults coming my way. Sorry, from me to you. Well, I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't expect anything less. And when it comes to Collingwood, I've been very lucky that the last six weeks I haven't had to sustain many of those cheeky messages from you. So here's to hopefully another week free of those very unfortunate messages about Collingwood losing. I can't wait for round 19. Uh, thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. I love you dearly. I know we all love you dearly. Thank you so much. We hope you're looking after yourselves and your loved ones. Wear your masks, drink your water, all that. I don't mean to mother you, but come on, look after yourself already. Uh, and join me and another co-host next week to review round 17 and preview round 18 as the most even season in years. Wraps up. Until then, the Wadi Cup.